Our gospel reading for this third Sunday in our Consecration Sunday four-week process is taken from the 22nd chapter of Matthew, verses 15 through 22. And I just want to say for a moment, I want to thank all of you who are helping us learn how to reopen our sanctuary safely. There are lots of rules that have to be followed as well as an RSVP system. And it breaks our heart a little bit every time that we have to let someone know that we can't be open to the public right now, right? That breaks our heart a little bit each time. But in order to stay safe, we know that to keep all of you safe as well as you safe at home, we do have to follow the CDC guidelines as well as the rules in the state of Ohio for how we operate. That said, I'm so grateful for all of you who are online today. Can you give us some love online? Let us know you're there. Let us know you're watching. In a moment, you'll hear more about why you need a fly swatter and a coin, but I'll give you a heads up. You're going to need a fly swatter and a coin, but I'm going to read the scripture first. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So the Pharisees sent their students to him along with the, you can say it, Herodians, Herodians, tomatoes, tomatoes, but Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere, Jesus, and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, Jesus, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him the coin, a denarius. And then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, the emperors. Then Jesus said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When the men heard this, they were amazed, and they left Jesus and went away. Here ends the reading. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church on this special Sunday. We are so blessed. Let's give them another round of applause. Let's let them know online how much we appreciate their hard work and their dedication during this extraordinary time in our history as human beings. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, We've mentioned that it is that time of year again, right? It's that time of year again. It's stewardship season, and it's time for one of my favorite stories. This is an all-time favorite. It came up to the top of the joke pile. Have you heard the story about Pastor Smith? Some of you have, some of you haven't. Well, Pastor Smith answers the phone, and he hears on the other line, or on the other end, Hello, is this pastor smith at grace united church well yes it is this is the irs can you help us well i sure can pastor smith do you know a mr ted hamilton why yes i do is he a member of your congregation yes he is did he donate a hundred thousand dollars to your church he will the end ah the irs has been in the news 
donations, a sermon about money, because yes, it's that time of year, but so much is going on. So I had to really think about how y'all could help me with today's sermon. So number one, you're going to need some money, like a coin or a dollar bill or something like that, because this is a demonstrative and participatory sermon. And number two, you need one of these. Now, those in the sanctuary today who are helping us with our reopening plans uh, don't have this, but you at home, anybody got a fly swatter at home? Take a picture, show us online. You know where I'm going with that, right? You know where I'm going with that because our messages don't have meaning unless they're relevant, unless we put them in the historical context in which we're being called to preach and teach and lead. Can I get an amen? We can't keep preaching in our society and pretending like the world isn't happening around us. So this next week, each of us is being asked to pray about this key question as we approach our annual Consecration Sunday celebration next week. And the question is, what is God calling me to give as a percentage of my income? Not how do we meet the budget, how we do this and that, but what is God calling me to give as a percentage of my income? But in the midst of this chaotic political cycle, the pandemic, the debates, and the challenges with the U.S. Postal Service, you might not have even received our communication yet about Consecration Sunday. And I thought I better just ask, how many of you have gotten your letter? Good, good, good. Let us know online if you've gotten your letter. If you haven't gotten a letter, if you would like one, let us know. Let us know online that you would like one. We were kind of worried that with everything going on with the Postal Service, it would be like the ballots that got mailed to the wrong place or had the wrong information on them, right? So we want to make sure you got your letter about the Consecration Sunday event. Um, Reverend David Long Higgins, our Ohio Conference, Heartland Conference Minister of the United Church of Christ, will be our special guest preacher next week. That's um, something that's very special. We will also be having a picnic. Um, We are going to be having our picnic outside at um, the park and parking lot of Westerville Community United Church of Christ, our sister church. We're so grateful that they're kind of donating their outside space to us so we can gather safely. It'll be from 1 to 3 next week. We do ask that you register online we'll ask our staff to pop that information into the facebook live feed or you can find it on our um, uh, face on our facebook page or in the newsletter it is actually a free lunch but you have to register it's a free box lunch that the church is providing bring masks distance your lawn chairs and your spirits and we know that many of you cannot join us because it's not safe so we know that you'll be there with us in spirit but please do still participate in consecration sunday it's incredibly important but the reason that this whole thing came up about whether you got your letter in the mail is that apparently the mail has slowed to a snail's pace in some places because someone in the white house doesn't want you to mail in your ballots to stay safe during a pandemic so i do just want to as a psa here say that you can drop your ballot off in person at the County Board of Elections for early voting, and early voting has started in Ohio. And you can find out all the ways to vote between now and through November 3rd at voteohio.gov. So it's voteohio.gov. Please vote. How many of you have already voted? Raise your hands. Yep, some of you have already voted online. Let us know if you've already voted. Early voting has already started in our country. Please make sure that you view a sample ballot and all of the candidates and issues that you need to vote on because it is time for a reckoning in this country. 
Can I get an amen? This election is not just about the top of the ticket. It is time for a fundamental reckoning in this country. It's about all of the elected officials who have enabled a dysfunctional response to a pandemic that has cost 210,000 Americans their lives. It's made millions of other Americans gravely ill. It's destroyed our economy and jettisoned millions of children out of school. And I could go on and on and on about the tremendous ripple effects of what dysfunctional leadership looks like. Don't be fooled by the fake ballots out there. Don't be fooled by the voting schemes and scare tactics. You are smart people. Do your homework. Know your rights and vote. Because it is time for a reckoning. It is time for a reckoning. Now that that 18 acres of magical thinking in D.C. that is known as the White House has become ground zero for COVID infections, super spreader events, and callous disregard for all but the wealthiest and most privileged humans. I was very impressed. It's hard to find good journalism today, right? With everything that's happening to our news, I encourage you to sign up, get magazines, get newspapers online, find good, reputable sources of news. If you haven't seen Time Magazine, they've been doing great coverage during the pandemic. This is the cover of the Time Magazine issue this week. It is coronavirus coming out of the White House, that center of magical thinking that thinks that the virus doesn't exist. I encourage you to read the issue. In this issue, separate studies are noted by Harvard and Cornell, reputable institutions. Separate studies are noted that found that Trump himself is the greatest source of false information about the election and COVID-19. That is a travesty. Trump himself is the greatest source of false information about our country's election and about COVID-19. Trump is our national super spreader of illness, of disinformation, of fear and division, of pure exhaustion. I mean, who else has had it with everything that's going on in Washington? Who else has just given up on the new cycle? Because it's too chaotic and it's not always healthy to, to get engaged in all of that. So raise your hands if you've had it. If you're just exhausted by all this stuff going on, let us know online. Well, it is time for a reckoning and for some jokes. Why? Because humor deflates authoritarian rulers. Humor deflates authoritarian rulers. Nicholas Kristof wrote an excellent op-ed in the New York Times recently about what we Americans can learn from pro-democracy leaders in other countries. Here's what Kristof wrote. He said, so, having covered pro-democracy campaigns in many other countries, I suggest that Americans aghast at Trump absorb a lesson from abroad. Authoritarians, he writes, are pompous creatures with monstrous egos who tend to be particularly vulnerable to humor. They look mighty, but are often balloons in need of a sharp pin. Now, I share this because Christoph advocates that Americans get better at a powerful form of activism. It's actually spiritual. It's a powerful form of activism, and I'll bet you've never heard of it before. It is called laughtivism. Who here has heard of laughtivism? 
It's the power of political satire. It is actually a form of activism. It is called laughtivism. Part of my job is to share with you ways in which we can cope and agitate and advocate for justice in our world. And a powerful way to do that is through something that is literally called laftivism. It is the power of mockery. Now, having mentioned that, do you have your fly swatters? I know in the, in the sanctuary you don't, but at home, show us your, those fly swatters. It's the power of laftivism. Yes, yeah, some people are taking their papers and their, yeah, the power of laftivism. Because I think we need to become laftivists. And you might ask why. It's because dictators fear mockery. They fear the political satirist and the cartoonist who help us laugh about what we know to be absurd. George Orwell wrote in 1945 that every joke is a tiny revolution. I love that. Every joke is a tiny revolution. Well, I share this today because in today's scripture, Jesus was a laughtivist too, especially when it came to Roman emperors, money, and the disadvantaged. But more on that in a moment. Jesus did not have memes back then, but we do. So I just have to share with you. How many of you watched the historic vice presidential debate this week between Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris? It was a historic debate. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it. Why was it historic? Because of Kamala Harris. And if you're a white male in particular and you haven't watched that debate, I encourage you to watch it and listen to the women in your life talk about what that debate meant to them, what it meant to them when to have a woman say, I'm speaking, right? Can I get an amen? But all that aside, how many of you saw this historic, hysterically funny moment when the fly landed on Mr. Pence's head and most importantly stayed there for over two minutes? How many of you, like we did, went up to your TV set and touched it, trying to catch the fly like Mr. Miyagi and the the Karate Kid because you thought the fly was on your television, right? How many did that? You're like, there's no way that fly could be in his hair that long. Something's wrong with our television. How many of you have laughed heartily since then about the absurdity of that moment? If you have, if you took advantage of the late night comedians, the satirists, the memes on Twitter, because Twitter blew up. It's like everyone who fell asleep after 2016 woke up and hit Twitter that night. It was fantastic. I had to reactivate my Twitter account just to see everything. I hate Twitter, but I reactivated it that night. I didn't want to miss a thing. Well, if you laughed about this, If you laughed during that debate and in the days that followed, then you are a laftivist, keeping your sense of humor alive in the midst of absurdity and inequity in our world. Now, I do want to say that laftivism is not some mean-spirited way to make fun of people. It's not an excuse to pull some harmful sarcasm out of the air to tear people down. I'm not talking about that. Laftivism is a particular form of activism but with a laugh. It is political satire at its finest, at its very best. And it's meant to help us remember what is right and true as we agitate and advocate for change as Jesus called us to do.
Now, I mentioned that Jesus was a leftist 2,000 years ago, a religious political satirist calling an unjust political and economic system to task. You just have to put yourself 2,000 years ago to be able to understand what he was doing. In today's Bible story, Jesus was faced with the question about who to trust about financial issues, God or the Roman emperor. And do you remember what he said? If you look at the text, dig into it, Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22, dig into the text. If you put it in contemporary language, what he said to the people who were, that, who were challenging him, he said, show me the money. Show me the money. Because the challenge with our struggle about money, it's not really about the money. It's really a struggle about trust. Who do we trust? Ourselves, something else, or God? Today's scripture reading reminded me of the movie Jerry Maguire. It's really dated now. Do you remember that movie? Raise your hand or let us know online if you remember that movie. An iconic scene. We've got John here in the sanctuary, our movie, our, our movie critic, who's like, yep, I remember that movie. Tom Cruise played Jerry Maguire, a sports agent, and actor Cuba Gooding Jr. played football player Rod Tidwell. And at one point in the movie, sports agent Jerry Maguire, shown on this slide, was trying to convince football player Rod Tidwell to sign a contract with him over the phone. And the football player knew that the sports agent was desperate and would do anything. So the football player told Jerry Maguire to yell the phrase, show me the money, louder and louder until the sports agent was red-faced and screaming into the telephone. Do you remember that scene? Show me the money. Remember that? Iconic scene. Watch that movie today if you have a chance or this week. And I do want to assure you we won't be doing that as part of our stewardship campaign. It's usually not a good way to proceed. See, you're laughing. You're laughtivists. Well, when Jesus was faced with the question about who to trust about financial issues, what he said was, show me the money. So let me take you back to that ancient text for a minute to do a little teaching today to see what what we might find in the word. This was such an important lesson to the early Christians that this Jesus story appeared in all three synoptic gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke. The story is told three times. If it sounds familiar, it's because it's in three Gospels. And the story goes like this. There are several groups of characters. Number one, the Pharisees, who are trying to catch Jesus in a trap when they send their students to him, along with the followers of the second band of characters, the followers of King Herod, the Herodians, or Herodians. Now, the Pharisees try to bait the trap with Jesus with some lame flattery, They try and flatter Jesus by saying, Teacher Jesus, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth and show deference for no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Matthew 22, 16. But it doesn't work. Jesus is aware of their malice towards him and he is definitely on guard when they say, Tell us then, Jesus, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? The trap has been set by his opponents, and Jesus is going to have to move nimbly to avoid springing it. He says in verse 18, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Political satire at its best. 
He's calling them names, not to demean them, but to call out the hypocrisy of what they're trying to do. This kind of language throughout Scripture sets the stage for Jesus' political satire. I encourage you to read the Bible with the posture of being a leftist. Where do you see the humor? Where do you see the satire? Because Jesus knows in this Scripture that what these two groups of people are really asking about is a particular tax and one that can only be paid in Roman coin. And I'm going to do a little more teaching here. Our seminary students, this is the answer on your test. Because the problem is, is that the coin contains an image and an inscription. The coin at that time said, Tiberius Caesar, August son of the divine Augustus high priest. Now, you may not know that that language was considered blasphemous by a devout Jew like Jesus because it compared Caesar to God. That's the catch. The coin compared the emperor to God. So Jesus is in a lose-lose position. If he says, yes, it's lawful to pay the task or the tax, he will alienate the Jewish nation. If he says, no, it's not lawful to pay the tax, he risks arrest by the Romans. It is a lose-lose proposition, and these groups of challengers think that they have trapped Jesus. But Jesus spots a way out, as the best of the political satirists do. He asked the disciples of the Pharisees for the coin used for the tax, and he says, show me the money. So the Pharisees give him the coin, and he says, whose head is this and whose title on the coin? And the emperors, they answer, wondering what he's getting at. And in one quick move, Jesus slips completely out of their their trap when he says in famous verses in 19 through 21, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. I want you to remember that phrase, put it on your fridge, remember it. Because Jesus is implying that paying this tax is not against the Jewish law, but he goes beyond the question asked by the Pharisees and says, what is God's must be given to God. Loyalty to God is on a different and much higher level of importance than simple loyalty to an earthly emperor. Think about that. Right now we're trapped in this political cycle that's chaotic, but our loyalty to God is so much higher than any current political cycle. So in verse 22, we see what happens to the pesky Pharisees. They realize that Jesus has escaped from their rhetorical trap, and it says, amazed, they leave him and go away. Now, Jesus says, show me the money, because he knows that money is a major factor in the shaping of our lives. Some of you get nervous when we even talk about money, or when you talk about it at home or in your families or at work, especially at church. But I'm here to tell you that money is never an end in itself, a treasure to be socked away and never used again. Rather, Jesus teaches that money is an asset, a resource for us to put to work in the world. I really like the metaphor that money is like water. Have you heard that before? Raise your hand if you've heard that metaphor. I don't know if some of you have heard that or not or heard it online, that money is like water. It is meant to flow. You do have to be mindful that you have enough or you'll run dry, right? It's like water. You don't want your well to be dry. 
But on the other hand, if you accumulate or hoard more money than you need, like water in a well, it can be stag- become stagnant and unable to support life. Money is meant to flow like water. I encourage you to think of that metaphor. Now, it is true that we have to give some coins to the emperor here in the United States, unless apparently if you're Donald Trump. But um, I'll just let that land. If you haven't watched the debate, watch it. Because I agreed with Kamala Harris when she heard that $750 figure. She said, do you mean $750,000? Like, no, $750. How many of you paid $750 in tax on your personal income tax? How many of you paid more than that? Raise your hand. Let us know online. Yeah, most of us. Because we want roads and emergency vehicles and publicly funded schools and hospitals. And I could go on. We're supposed to pay our taxes and we're supposed to do it fairly and with equity. But beyond this, we have a great deal of freedom to exercise when we talk about how to use our assets. And I love how Anne Lamott says it. She says, because you're going to hear a testimony from Sandy in a moment when I'm done with this sermon about what this church means to her. And I love how writer Anne Lamott sets the stage for her testimony when she says that giving is the way we can feel abundant. Giving is the way that we can actually fill ourselves up. It it sounds incongruent, but it's not. How many of you have done something for someone else and it made you feel good? You felt like you made a difference in someone's life. How many of you have volunteered at the largest table or at the open shelter or something here at the church and you knew you were making a difference in someone's life who had nothing? There is no better feeling in the world to to know that you're making a difference in that way. And it helps us to be grateful and mindful of all that we have. Now, it is hard sometimes in our consumer culture, especially in this era of pandemic financial uncertainty, It can be hard to learn how to be generous with God's gifts to us, especially if we're afraid. But our faith tradition teaches that money is an important part of our spiritual life. And we are challenged to learn how to express our beliefs, not only with our words, but with our wallets. So what's in your wallet? That sound familiar? What's in your wallet? I'm just going to ask you to, you know, Find a coin. What's in your wallet? What is your money saying to you? Who are you going to trust? Find a coin. Find a dollar bill. Any bill, actually. That's not limited to dollars. Find a a coin or a bill. And when we talk about this kind of sermon this time of year, sometimes I say, just show me the money. And I just have a typical American quarter. And I want you to look closely. This is a participatory sermon because maybe I'm wrong. I always say maybe I'm wrong always willing to listen to different opinions. But I want you to take a close look at your coin and at your dollar bill, and I want you to to let me know, do you see the inscription, Tiberius Caesar, August, son of the divine Augustus, high priest, from 2,000 years ago? Anybody see that? Anybody see in, in Trump we trust? Nope. Who do we trust with our money? Somebody tell me. Yeah, let us know online. What does it say? On every piece of money we have in our country, what does it say? It says, in God we trust. We put it on our money. It can't be any clearer than that. 
It says on our money, in God we trust. Every time you spend a coin, a dollar, make a transfer from your bank account, pay your bills, receive your pay, make donations, whatever, remember that it already says on the money, in God we trust. We've already made clear in whom we trust when we use our resources. So I know it can be hard during a pandemic. I know it can be hard in times of economic uncertainty. And I continue to encourage you to trust God. You will find a peace and a solace that comes from nothing else in this world than trusting God. And that phrase, in God we trust, put it on your fridge, write it on a piece of paper, carry it in your wallet, whatever you need to do, put it in your phone, put it next to your computer. The phrase, in God we trust, challenges us to continue each day to rely on our good and gracious God, our God who is generously at work in the world, creating God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, showering us with amazing grace every day and a few laughs. But we have to do our part because we are God's hands and feet. And sometimes God says to a church, show me the money. Let us pray. Almighty and most generous and humorous God, especially when we are feeling anxious about money or unsure about how to use the resources you have given us to steward, help us to rely upon you, to trust you and to follow you. Help us to remember that our Christian task is to bind together, not pull apart when times get tough. Encourage each one of us to tithe and give more generously than ever before to support our church's mission and growth during this unprecedented global pandemic. Confident, God, that you continue to call us to be a beacon of hope in the heart of this city, especially to the least, the last, and the lost in our community, no matter how much it costs. Thanks be to God. Amen.